Hello, and welcome to the New Beginnings Discipleship Ministry Podcast. Here, we share the Word of God for all people to understand that they are born on purpose, for a purpose, and with purpose. A desire is for everyone to not just know what their purpose is, but to live it out. We believe we are designed to live out a kingdom lifestyle that aligns to the kingdom of God and the word of God. Now go ahead and grab something to write with, make room wherever you are at, and prepare your heart, mind, and soul for another amazing word from God. Here we go. So Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you on this day. God, we give you all the honor, all the glory. We continue to exalt your name and your name alone, Jesus. God, we thank you for all, for rest, ruling, and abiding in this service. Heavenly Father, we ask that you continue to be with those in this place and those who are listening remote, Heavenly Father. Allow for Holy Spirit to, is no respecter of person or place. So inhabit the praises of your people in this building, in the hospitals, in the homes, in their cars, wherever they may be. Heavenly Father, take over that place, take over that atmosphere. We declare and decree that it will shift and operate as you have seen fit, Heavenly Father. That wherever we are, God, because it was just said that we are the church, Heavenly Father. So wherever we are, there is healing, there is peace, there is joy, there is restoration, Heavenly Father. We will be the church. So God, we thank you and we praise you. We give you all honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And my mouth is trying to be dry. Hold on. So on this week... Or on last week, let me recap. Pastor O.C. started, um, and he was teaching us on how to overcome idols. And to identify those things, and we got to take control of those things. In some places, those idols tried to take control of us. So as we started down that road, I started thinking, like, there's a few more things I want to add to this list. Amen. Is that okay with y'all? Can I add on to his list a little bit? All right. So we're going to get started with the first one. Oh, let me not get ahead of myself. You know I love visuals. Y'all know that's me. It just, it just wouldn't be a service without me. Okay, so what I need, because this is going to be interactive today. There's enough of us here. I need like seven people to come forward. I know that's most of y'all, but seven people, to the first seven. We got two, three, four. We got a fifth one. Can I get two more people? Four, six, seven, is that seven? Four, five, yep, there we go, we got seven folks. So, this is not a magic trick. I'm just telling y'all to pick one, because then I'm not picking it. That's between you and Jesus, amen. <laughs> so just pick one of these papers, and you can have a seat once you grab them. You go back to your seat. And then when you hear, I'll tell you when to come up. I'm going to talk about your word a little bit first, and then you'll come on up. I had to remind myself. See, that's why I have reminders in my own notes, because I get so excited. Because I see it, and then I want you to see it, too. So the first thing we're going to talk about, and um, so for my note takers, just take your notes. We're going to do the title later on, I promise you. But we just, I got, I, like I said, I'm excited. We just got to jump into this thing, right? All right. 
So the first thing, when we're talking about overcoming, because we're in the season of overcoming, right? We're going to conquer these things, right? Okay. The first one I wanted to talk about was pain. Overcoming pain. Pain is defined as a localized or generally, or a generalized unpleasant bodily sensation or complex of sensations that cause mild to severe physical discomfort and emotional distress and typically results from bodily disorders such as injury and disease. Here's the thing is, we don't like pain. We don't like physical pain, emotional pain, financial pain. Pain is not a friend of anybody's. Now, here's the thing is, some people even have different pain tolerances. Like some people can take more pain than others. But at the end of the day, pain is pain and we're not a fan of it. But here's the things that we don't understand sometimes is, we sometimes instead of fixing the pain, we learn to live with the pain. We allow the pain to just be a part of our lives. We don't try to overcome it, we just let it take up residence with it. But here's the challenge, the thing that we don't understand. If anyone has ever been in like a long-term injury, pain is exhausting. We don't realize how much energy, how much of our strength, how much of our bodily resources go to pain. Here's the other thing is pain makes us make bad decisions. I don't know about anyone. Just me. I'm just, I'm just going to give my example. You know you're supposed to be doing the right stuff, but somehow you justify that, that little Debbie, that ice cream, that slice of cake, that Oreo. Your ankle been swollen for three days. It's, it's, it's big. You got an ice pack on. But somehow this little Debbie Swiss roll going to make that ankle feel all, all better. That oatmeal pie. <laughs> we, we know we don't need it. We can't move, so we really shouldn't be eating it because we can't move. There is no steps. We are getting in zero steps. But we're going to make that little Debbie decision at that moment. But that's the thing is what pain does, is that pain makes you not only either keep it around, but it also becomes our crutch, our excuse to find pleasure somewhere else, an excuse to do and make those decisions. Well, I am not going to make, I don't know if anybody, I don't have enough money anyway, so I might as well spend what I have. That is not a fix. Those shoes, okay, if you have $100, and I know $100 isn't enough, but if you spend 50 of those $100, you have less money, not more. So if you were stressed with $100, you're going to be more stressed and in more pain with 50? Like, I, I know retail therapy, we say it. I haven't quite figured it out yet, because it's, it's really not therapeutic, because then I look at the receipts in my bank account, and I'm... <laughs> I'm in a worse place than when I started. Like, I'm going to Target to make me feel better. How Target made me feel better $100 later, $200, I don't know. But somehow, in my logic, in my pain at that time, it was going to make me feel better. Okay. Still working on that one. Still having quite, if somebody gets that revelation, let me know. I think heaven and earth needs to know that answer. But... That's the thing that we have to understand what pain does for us and how we allow it to take us over because at that point, pain is making the decisions. Pain is directing our path. Pain is telling us what to do. 
let's look at the Bible. It says, what does it say about pain? In Romans 8, 18 through 19, it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to compare to the glory which shall be revealed to us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. The pain that you feel is temporal. Here's the funny thing is people have to remember is, and I'm going to say this and you have to think about it. You'll catch it probably later. We really don't remember pain itself. Remember that we were in pain, but we don't actually remember the pain. If we remembered pain, everybody would have one child. There would be no brothers, there would be no sisters. Every family would have one child, because if you really remembered all of that you went through, there is nothing in your logical mind that would convince you to do it again, and again, and again. <laughs> so we have to understand that we remember that pain happened and our body will have a reflex to it, but at the end of the day, we don't actually hold on. Our bodies don't even hold on to pain to the point where it remembers the exact pain. Now, if for protective purposes, we remember that, it's a, that it happened. If for life-saving purposes, your brain registers, ooh, danger, leave. But it doesn't remember the exact pain. So pain is temporary. And we have to keep in mind what's to come afterwards. There's people waiting for us to get through our pain. It says it's waiting for the sons of God. There are those who are waiting for you to get past your pain, to overcome your pain. They're waiting for us. Because once we overcome ours, we can help them overcome theirs. And I also go with, oh, I had it in two versions. Okay, so with that, can I have my pain person come forward? Thank you, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Thank you much. So, again, realizing that we need to overcome that pain and not letting it dictate us. The next thing we need to overcome is unforgiveness, which is the unwillingness to forgive. Even forgive means to cease to feel resentment against or an offense. We gotta stop being offended. Most of the time, and God and I had to wrestle with this one over my years. Because for 99.99% of my life, I realized that there, most people do not wake up and think, how can I ruin Kamika's day? <laughs> now, I did meet one of God's special children who thought like that. And, and praise the Lord, God dealt with him. Uh, <laughs> I, I want human being. But other than that, most humans have other stuff on their minds. We get busy. We always say, charge it to my head and at my heart, because our intentions are never to hurt somebody else. But we are so easily humans. Our flesh is so easily offended. We hold grudges. And I have to pray for every husband in here, because I'm sorry. I know it's happened at some point. Y'all probably got in trouble for something that never really happened, but it was a scenario that played out in our own heads. <laughs> <laughs> Ha, ha, ha. 
Women, we are really good at this. We done thought of what I was going to say, what he was going to say, what I was going to say when he said that. And then when he said and he didn't agree with me, then I was going to say, like, we got a whole scenario. Poor O.C. Walkie in mid-conversation and that he didn't even know he was having. <laughs> and, and I'm offended by something he didn't even do. It's just a probable scenario in my head. So we have to understand how easily that offense happens. Because here, I'm, he, he has no clue. And he is open and he's on board. And then my whole offense got a shift because I was preparing for the no. I was preparing for them to say something back to me. I was ready for the eye roll and the attitude. But here's the thing is when we hold on to that unforgiveness, we are hurting ourselves. So, because God is like, what about the side when I say read your Bible? He went, you know my show is on. <laughs> like we don't have on demand. <laughs> okay, so let's get up to pray. Uh, Jesus, the sun isn't even up and you want me to be up to pray? We do all these things and God is yet with us. He hasn't got offended because he keeps inviting us. He's keep calling for us. But we get offended at everything. But what it does is then we're going to say, forgive me for all those times. Like the parable literally says, if you're going to forgive me, I got to forgive them. The kids are literally learning, forgive me as my debts as I forgive those with debts against me. So we have to understand that unforgiveness is hurting us. We're holding on to something. Here's the thing is you can still be mad at a person who is not even on this earth and it's hurting you. It can't hurt them. They have gone on to glory of somewhere, they gone. I don't know if anyone has ever been to a funeral and had people have unforgiveness. That person is done, they have completed their task. They are no longer here. But yet we have the capacity and ability to still be upset, so unforgiveness. We're still living our lives. I always think of unforgiveness in this context as I, Jesus is working on me. There are some things I'm still being delivered from y'all. Y'all, we family, right? I have control issues. We're working on them. I just, 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 we still working, just, just that area. When it comes to unforgiveness, one of the things God showed me to help me that use my control issues for good, not evil. Um, when someone else has the ability to dictate my emotions, my thoughts, and my feelings, I have to forgive them because I don't want you walking into the room and making my joy, uh, literally making my life a living hell because you called me. You walked past me. I saw your name. I looked at a photo with your picture. You don't have the right to control how I feel. You don't get to change my day. If I'm having a great day, you don't get to take that away from me. And that's what that unforgiveness does. So the Bible literally says it as, and if I can get my unforgiveness person to start coming forward. For in Matthew 6, 14 through 15, it says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Who has unforgiveness? The, the card. Oh. One of the ways I've heard unforgiveness described is it's like drinking poison yourself trying to kill the other person. So understanding that the role that it plays, so we have to overcome it. It can't dictate our, thank you, our joy, our peace, whether we love people. Have you ever been so, and this is, again, just me, so in unforgiveness that you didn't like somebody because they reminded you of somebody that you were upset with? That person ain't met you a day in their life. Be, but because they look like them, they dress like them, maybe they have the same perfume or cologne as them, you already going in with an attitude. Because we have to let those things go, and it's dictating to us who we can talk to, how we feel, what we do, our relationship with God. It messes up our relationship with him. So if I really don't like you, I love you so, I dislike you so much, I will let you go so I can grab hold of God, amen? The next thing that we need to overcome is regret. Regret means sorrow aroused by circumstances beyond one's control or power to repair. Here's the thing is we have regrets. And the challenge about regret, and when you look at the definition is we could not have changed it. We could not have done anything differently. Usually when we go, especially through a traumatic situation in our lives, we replay that thing over and over and over again because we're trying to find where we could have done something differently. And the fact of the matter is, you could not have. At that moment, at that time, at that age, in those circumstances, you did the best that you could do. And that was all you could be asked of you. The Bible describes it as, in Isaiah 43, 18 through 19, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will make a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you, shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So what happens is you hold on to the coulda, shoulda, wouldas, and it stops you from grasping hold of what will be. Can I have the regret person come forward? Whoever has that puzzle piece. Now, there's another part to this regret thing. That's what the world has as regret. Thank you, ma'am. But we also have to understand is that there is a such thing as like a godly regret. But that is actually gonna cause us to repent. When you realize that I've learned something wrong, I did something wrong, just because I didn't know better. That's all that is. You realize and acknowledge that what you did wasn't right. You repent and you change from it. In 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 10, it says, Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. 
So the whole point when God points something out, and sometimes the world tries is to confuse us between the two. There's the, oh, I could have done this better, and you beat yourself up, and you're trying to rethink it, rehash it, go over it over and again. But then there's the ones where it's like, God, I didn't know. I, I didn't know. I didn't know about that, all the things that came with it. Let's be honest. When uh, the world is doing its advertising, it does not give you the fine print. The club is cool, the outfit is cute, the night is fun, everything is great. You did not realize you did a soul tie, opened four doors, and invited the enemy in with a personal invitation. You didn't know. I remember growing up, even with the church, there was a whole lot of don't do this, like the finger shaking. Like, don't do this and don't do that. Nobody ever really explained the why. I think if they had a said, now, if you do this, you will be trying to fix this for the rest of your life. Good to know. Um, Susie, I can't go tonight. It's, it's cool. And so for our youth, we try to explain a little bit more, put context around what's happening and why not to do it. For girls, it was like growing up in the church, it was, the, I, it was in the 90s, it was Pentecostal, it was the skirt, like she'll probably know, it was the whole, if you show kneecap, you was in trouble. And I was like, I, but it's a kneecap. I don't, know the, I don't know what makes my calf so attractive. It wasn't really that, I, like it was a calf, like I didn't get it. But what they were trying to explain and should have explained to us is that, not necessarily not to do that, but what each inch means. What does it look like? What are the circumstances that can come from it? Not even what you're putting out, but what people take, how they're interpreting your actions. How dressing that way at a certain age, you're kind of like an advertisement for some people. And you find people coming up to you, these days both men and women, <laughs> coming up to you and approaching you and putting you in a situation that you're not ready for. And it's hard because as a teenager, you thought you was it. You, you figured, I got this. It was, I mean, what, I stayed up late, I did a few chores. I got this, right? I can, I can do this. But we don't understand the full consequences. When we were told not to hang out with that friend, we just thought, like, my mom don't like him. My dad is giving him a hard time. Later on in my adult life, I realized, like, wow, people hung out with the wrong friends and ended up dead and in jail and their life is jacked up, and they, they, they literally have lost their minds in padded rooms, literally, because they hung out with the wrong friends. But no one ever explained that part to us. They just said, don't hang out with them, and you got in trouble if you did. <laughs> so understanding, when we talk about those regrets, it's just that opportunity to be able to know the difference understand what we did and going forward being able to explain someone else better you don't have to go through this you don't have to experience this this doesn't have to be your testimony so understanding that we can overcome that regret and it doesn't dictate us it doesn't rule us it doesn't have power over us now the next one may sound a little interesting because it sounds good in the beginning the next one we need to overcome is pleasure a state of gratification or frivolous amusement. So, uh, 
Well, we have to understand what pleasure is. Pleasure wants to fix something. Pleasure will drive us, the seeking for pleasure. That's where addiction comes out of. We get something really good the first time and we keep going back and back. And usually the stuff that brings the most pleasure is not the best for you. Even when God says all things in moderation, I don't know if anybody that um, Lay's is both the most honest snack company. They said you can't have just one. They didn't tell you that you got to have the whole bag, though. <laughs> like we take things and then you keep taking it. But with that pleasure, we keep um, going after. We're not patient. We get impatient. We have issues with trying to figure out our flesh. That pleasure wants to take over because it wants more. Pleasure is like an unhappy toddler. Can I just be honest? <laughs> it, you, it can't just take one piece of candy. It wants more piece of candy. It can't just stay up late one night. It got to stay up another night. Here's where it gets us. We can't miss one Bible study. We miss two. We can't miss one service because nothing really happened. But the pleasure that we get from stuff, it drives us and can overcome us. We go and become pleasure seekers, not Christ followers, because we're seeking that pleasure. Let's put it this way. In 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9, it is described to say, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends and be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that. They are the kind of work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by their various desires. These teachers oppose the truth just as Yanez and Iambres oppose Moses. They have depraved minds and counterfeit faith but they won't get away with this for long. Someday, everyone will recognize what fools they are, just as Yanez and Giambres did. So if someone could come forward with pleasure. And I just want to explain the two people that were named. So the two people he's referring to are two of the pharaohs, what are they, wizards, magicians, when Moses went to go talk to them. They were, them, them dudes were comfortable. They were in Pharaoh's house. They were being fed. They were being taken care of. They were put in charge of stuff. But when the truth came before them, they cast down Moses to keep their pleasure. They knew, they know. Look, if you know, if you doing the fake thing, you know the real one in a heartbeat. For all my, um, connoisseurs out there of like collectibles if you've seen the fake thing if you've seen the real thing you know the fake thing and if you've seen the fake thing you know what the real one is and so what happens is it gives that example specifically of two people who were comfortable they enjoyed the pleasure they enjoyed what was there so much that they spoke against the man of God as he's doing the acts of God 
just to maintain that level of pleasure. And even when we look at the things that they were mentioning, we have to understand the pleasure also comes from stuff being portrayed as easier. One of the things I like to watch um, and have watched a few times are the, um, what are those, the cult shows. Here's the thing, I have to figure this out. So I was like, let me get this straight. Christianity, we working hard over here. I don't know if y'all know this, boy. To be a leader and follower of Christ, you got to work hard. You got Bible studies, you got to lead stuff, you got to get people going. And there's been a lot going on. We, we trying to teach on tithing. People upset what you done spent the money on. I don't know, somebody mad because you didn't use three-ply. We bought two-ply. We were trying to save some money, but it wasn't enough money that we saved. And what kind of car does the pastor drive? And, and some people got issues. It's being exposed. But, but some people just get extra critical. However, I'm still trying to figure out how all these other cults got people giving their whole life savings. I say 10% and people roll in their eyes. I don't know. What's the church going to do with it? I just said 10%. I didn't. Over here, they, they, they done, you done signed your business, your paycheck, and your kids' inheritance over to the, we ain't asking for all that. We asking for 10% in one night a week. I mean, I didn't think it was that serious. So I'm, I'm sorry, I watch these shows because I'm trying to understand. I, I don't get it. Because I was like, so, so y'all went to the cult every night? Every night, y'all spent four hours a night there. Man, we say click on a 30-minute Bible study, and people are like, mm, can it be 15? I, Jesus, we got to be doing something wrong. I, I'm trying to under, and they have, and it's not like it's five people. They have thousands of members, and I'm like, I don't get it, Jesus. I'm trying to understand. I was like, we said, you know, put a, ma'am, can you pull your shirt up? And everybody upset and leaving the church, and they told them to wear a whole sheet over themselves. And they got thousands of people. I was like, I'm still trying, Jesus, I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to. Um, but one of the things I know it advertises is this simpler way, an easier way. Something that, so when it talks about telling those lies, we have a lot of groups out here telling the lies. Like I said, I'm still trying to figure out when I do one plus one equals two, but I'm looking at them and I'm like, I don't, okay, so let me get this straight. 10% is too much. And I wouldn't let you wear a see-through shirt, man or female. I'm just saying. And we, you leave in the church, you're going to call the news stations. But they told you to sell all your property, and you can only show your eyes. I wouldn't show your kneecaps, but they won't let you show your hair that you just got did. And you, okay, um, I'm trying to, Jesus, I'm trying to understand it. But it's the pleasure part. They started in the idea of this is going to be really easy. This is all you do. You show up. And I think it's those lies. You rub a crystal. You recite this thing. You jump up and down two times. You drink this water. You come to this place. You're at this meeting. But what happens is the lie comes, or the truth eventually comes out. Because they started with the one night a week. Then it turned to two. The 30 minutes turned into an hour. The 10% turned into 25. The 25 turned into 100. 100 turned into can't you do more. If someone even says that and tries to do it, even some people are trying to do it under the guise of being Jesus, it ain't. 
Jesus makes it very clear. There's a limited amount. There is a balance. Don't, don't, don't leave your family. It's, that's not what he's asking. <laughs> I have to be clear. I heard Pastor O.C. saying, you know, make sure don't tell people to go out fighting. And he didn't say go fight. Not like, you know, fight and catch a case. Like, just got to be careful. But just understanding those things start with pleasure of the idea of I'm going to make you feel important. I'm going to give you something that you feel you can't get anywhere else. But understanding that the truth of it is, it's going to come to an end eventually, and it will be exposed eventually for what it really is. And as we talked about the Target shopping, just, just my testimony, the pleasure turns into a pain eventually. But let's get into the next one, which is opinion. An opinion is a view, judgment, or appraisal formed in the mind of a particular matter. I love a quote that I found when I was researching this. It says, lions don't concern themselves with the opinions of sheep. A lion, which is true, a lion doesn't care how the sheep feel, where they're at. It might look at a sheep like it's kind of tasty. <laughs> but that lion's life, what it does is not concerned by the sheep. And we have to understand for ourselves what that looks like. In Matthew 7, it says, 24 through 27, it says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it fell, and it was a great fall. What we have to understand is there's a lot of opinions that try to overcome us. We have to understand what roles an opinion is and how it plays. If I could have opinions start coming forward. So when it comes to opinions, one of the big ones we have to be thank you, careful of, and I, this is actually part of my major, I don't do well with politics, because I would be in my poli-sci classes, and they'd be ready to kick me out. They really were. Some people are like, why are you even here? Because it has to be fixed. And I say this is that we have to understand what opinions are. So I give the example of my two soapboxes, I guess I can say. One is they had movements, they had issues. I understand the BLM movement. I understand that there are police brutality that happen. I also understand that officers are overworked and underpaid that we need to have more officers, more training, more therapy, more concern. Before we give these people weapons, a person with a weapon should not be working triple and quadruple shifts. <laughs> they should be getting some sleep. And if something happens, we shouldn't just put them back out in the street again. We should be giving them therapy. <laughs> we should have counseling. We should be talking to them. Also, for the people who are doing it, I'm one of those persons, I need to know a little bit more of the story. <laughs> I just do. If something was straight up wrong, somebody was minding their own business and nothing happened, I'm down for the cause. But if Pookie was climbing in through the wrong window, doing something he wasn't supposed to do, and it happened, I'm not about to spend my PTO on that. 
I'm not about to spend my PTO marching in the streets for somebody who was, was not doing what they were supposed to do where they were supposed to be. And then also we have opinions that have these extremes. I am hating this bro Wade abortion thing. I want logical sense. If somebody is in a situation where their life is on the line, do something. If it is an optional situation, we need to talk. But either way, the church has to provide them. Well, the church is this. No, the church needed to talk to some of these people. Because why did they feel that was their only option? Why did they feel that was their choice? We live in a world where you can't find baby formula. You can't find anything, hardly. It's expensive to send a kid to daycare is what, $800 a week. It is expensive. So what can we do to support people to feel like that's not even a choice? And if we just gonna bypass the extreme ones of just saying, oh, what happens if a 10-year-old gets raped? Pick me. Who raped her? What happened? What happened to cause this? We ain't gonna just slide past like we on this. Wait, can we back the bus up? Can we find out who assaulted her? Can we find out what happened? Can we stop it from happening again? There's these polarizing conversations. They pull, I'm like, if there's this much rape going on, we need to talk. We need to change some other laws. If all these clinics are treating nothing but rape victims, we need to talk. What do we need to patrol the streets? <laughs> have, uh, have better cars? I'll pay for an Uber. We need to understand, because people bypass, like, wait, wait, hold on, hold on a minute. Oh, wait a minute. If that, if, is this what's happening? I'm mad at the people outside picketing. You just let the kid walk. You didn't ask no questions. You didn't stop the uncle. You, There's so many things that opinions want us to get riled up about. They want us to pick this side or that side. Can we, can we talk about the whole situations? We just, even without, so there's so many things and it wants to sway us. And it wants to categorize us. If you don't, if you're not this, then you must be that. I'm actually neither. If you want to check my inbox, it's hilarious. I got both Democrat and Republican. I don't like, or not, I don't really like either one of you. <laughs> I like the human that makes the most sense that day, okay? I, I, that's how it works. And that's how I feel like it should work. But there's all these things that we want. You have to be this or that. And people want to force our, their opinions and what their thoughts are. And we also think of these very extreme situations. <laughs> uh, again, I got more questions. <laughs> if, you, if that scenario really plays out, ooh, pick me. Can we, can we rewind? If a person was, if it's really that bad, if somebody, we need to talk. We need to understand what caused all of this. We, I get, and, but that's the thing that people want to sway you. You must vote this way. You must look this way. If you don't put on this sticker, you're going to be mad. Just because I won't put a yard sign in my yard don't mean I don't support it or agree with it. I don't agree with the way you're doing it. In college, we had an issue on our campus, and they were like, yeah, let's go protest. I was like, no. Well, you don't agree? Baby, I'm a full-ride scholarship student. They, they can kick me out tomorrow. If you want to protest, can we get some of the kids who pay full price? Can, can we get the kids whose parents cut the check of $36,000 a year? Get them in the protest. Now, I'll take the binder. I'll, I'll get the bail bondsmen. I'll call the people. But what, it ain't going to profit me nothing to protest. 
Because if they kick me out, that's a bonus for them, not me. They don't lose nothing. But that's the thing is the opinions will cause us to think that we're in the wrong. To think that we don't make sense. Start making us think that we're crazy. No, I don't agree or disagree. It, the issues are so much more complex than that. And when people have opinions on stuff, they tend to just see the surface and make judgments and decisions and want you to do the same. If someone came into your house and said, this is what you should do with your child or your marriage, one of the things that you have to push back on is that you don't know. You don't live in my house. You're not in this relationship. You don't know the full depth. You saw an interaction and formed an opinion. But your opinion isn't what dictates my life. But so often, it's opinions take those little snapshots and glimpses, and people want to change and move and make our lifelong decisions over something that is so much more deeper and complex. So making sure that we don't let those opinions, that we don't let the winds and the waves have that foundation that we get knocked off while we over here trying to chase an opinion and we end up in a worse situation. We're not able to help anymore. We're not able to impact because we were just following the winds and the waves. Ah, sorry, this is the part where my printer started working. Glory to God. The next one we need to overcome is secular or the world. Of, secular means of or relating to the worldly or temporal things. Temporal is something re relating to time as it is opposed to eternity. So something that's in an instant. Can I have my person with secular come forward? So we have to understand that this is just, thank you, sir. Pin that in a second. Well, we have to understand what secular is the world. And literally the Bible tells us in 1 John 2, 15 through 17, do not love the world or the things of the world. For if anyone loves the world who love of the father is not in him. For all that is, in, that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Also in Matthew 24, 35, it says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. We have to overcome things that are temporary not going to last that long. So as much as we, talk, as Pastor O.C. talked about, it was hot yesterday. Glory to God, it was hot. But I always laugh and I try to stop myself, my own self, from complaining about the heat. Because I remember that it's temporary and there's going to be a day when the, it says, it feels like it's negative 12. <laughs> this is a temporary thing. Now, I have other issues. I get too hot and too clammy. I, I, we got to move some stuff around. But for the most part, this is a temporary state. It's not going to be like that forever. I'm not going to go out and make, here's the hardest thing for me. I would love right now to have a pool. But I know we only get this heat for how many months in the Midwest? It ain't worth it. And I can't talk this man into digging up that much of our yard for something that's not just for a couple of months. It's not going to happen. <laughs> we, we ain't about to mess up his grass for that. <laughs> so we have to understand. But here's the other part is, 
when we in negative 12, well, see, look at me, I'm like, I was like, no, nah, I still can't do Texas, because right now in Texas it's still hot. I know it is. And then in the summer, I, we would, our electric, I remind him, our power bill would be astronomical, because I had probably had two air conditioners going in that thing. So understanding that we can't make, as the apostle normally says, we can't make permanent decisions on temporary emotions. But with that, let's jump into our last one, emotions. A conscious mental reaction, such as fear or anger, subjectively experienced as strong feeling, usually directed towards a specific object and typically accompanied by physiological behaviors in the body. So if I can have a motion come forward. I'll take it here, thanks. In Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. One of the challenges we have to overcome are emotions. Our emotions will make us do something instantly because we are mad, we're sad, we're happy, we're whatever. We make those instantaneous decisions, temporal decisions, because of our emotion, how we feel. But feelings fade. They come and they go, but we have to understand what it is that we're doing and overcome those emotions, control them. As apostles have been teaching in Bible study, soul under control. We have to get our soul, get those emotions, mind, will, and emotions under control because we need to know, be able to listen and let God direct our paths, not our emotions. There's a lot of decisions, particularly if you're hurt, in the moment that one emotion is particularly hurt is when you're hurt, your goal is to hurt others. You want somebody else to feel the same hurt that you feel. But that's not your place, not your job, and not what God intended. So we have to understand that we can't make those decisions. And if somebody knows, you know, you had them emotions that make you make some bad choices. When, or, or you have a friend, maybe it's not us. Maybe it's a friend with the emotions. When you get that call like, hey, you wanna go ride by their house? That does not mean jump in the car with them. That means talk them down. <laughs> Especially if it's that friend, y'all know the friend. The friend, the cousin, you know nothing good is about to come out of this. Just, it's just not. Um, they gonna bust something, break something, do something that is illegal, don't, don't do it. But it's those emotions. We do it. We, here's one thing we know we do it. When you get in that good emotion, like you, 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 sat, you mad. And, I'm, and, and everybody's going to know how mad I am and how right I am. Emotions want you to be right. Do you call the person that's talking you down or you call the person like, yeah, that's right. That is wrong. They shouldn't have done that to you. That was, yeah, we're going we gonna to get them. You know what we should do? Okay, probably shouldn't call that person. Let's ride, let's go over there, let's do this. No, no. Here's the other thing I noticed with emotions currently is we have social media. So emotions have us posting stuff, saying stuff, getting into arguments with people we don't even know. Emotions just have us all riled up and all over the place. As we read in previous scripture, out of no self-control because we're letting our emotions do the controlling. 
Our emotions are dictating how we feel, what we do, how we post. You can lose your job over that. <laughs> Posting the wrong thing. You can get in trouble. I feel personally, anybody who has ever been through the divorce in this current day and age, I've seen friends, boy, they be screenshotting people's social media. I'm like, don't post it, don't post it. I couldn't imagine being in a family court right now, people just coming in with sheets of screenshots. Look where they went, look how they dressed, look who they had my kids with, look what they driving. I'm like, I couldn't imagine. Family court has got to be swarmed with nothing but screenshots. Like, how do you even file that? Whole arguments. Here, Your Honor, here's, your, here's the binder. So I'm like, because I, I know a couple of lawyers and judges, I'm like, so do y'all just flip through it? Like, how do you, how do you know, con okay. But we let our emotions get into that. We let our emotions take over. They post this, so I'm gonna post that. Or they said that, and I'm gonna do this. And then don't let that internal conversation come back, because you have an invisible conversation with somebody who didn't even, you, you didn't post. You didn't post, you're reacting to, and then your po what you post is for comments later in a non-existent conversation. So understanding what our emotions are, not letting them dictate us and drive us and tell us what we're going to do. We have to tell our emotions, Gird up the loins of our emotions. Bring them in captivity. Okay, I'm mad. You can give your space. Jesus, be, be angry, just don't sin. You can have your moment. Just don't do nothing silly with it. Because <laughs> we are going to feel those emotions. They're part of us. But we don't have to make those decisions, those choices, and to put them out. Because the challenge becomes is that the point is for them to see God in us. God looks really iffy. God looks really emotional. God looks like he's all over the place, if that's what we're showing. So undercome, overcoming um, those emotions. And so if you're following along, I'm sure for my note takers at this particular point. Okay, <laughs> sorry, I hear the kids over there. <laughs> Just to recap to make sure that we know where we're at. And for my note takers, you probably figured it out already. So we need to overcome pain, unforgiveness, regret, pleasure, opinions, secular in the world, and emotions. We need to overcome these things so that we can fulfill our purpose. Amen. And here's the thing about purpose. In Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, it says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and pray to me, and I will listen. And you will seek me and find me. When you search for me with all your heart, I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. I will bring you to the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. What we have to understand is that many of us have been held captive by pain, unforgiveness, regret, pleasure, opinions, secular, and our, sorry, and our emotions. 
And this season of overcoming, God is calling us out of that captivity, and he is gathering us from the nations that we have found in ourselves, found ourselves in. We must understand that God did not allow for us for this to happen half-heartedly, haphazardly. It was done with intention. So part of the reason I want everybody to come up here when they were bringing their pieces, they had to come out from wherever they were. We have to come out from those places of regret and unforgiveness and pain. We have to come out of those places because what happens is we have taken up, we put our tent there. We set up residence there. We have to come out. It states in Romans 8, 28 through 30, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and for those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed and to the image of his son. And he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, he was predestined. These he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Purpose means to set up as an object or end to be attained. I looked up purpose also in the Bible encyclopedia, which was exciting because when I looked it up, it found out that it means decree. A decree is an order usually having the force of a law. So if I'm going to decree something, I'm going to order that this be done, and you have to know that you do it because the law is going to come after you. So hence taxes. Taxes have been around forever. But if you're, the reason we pay the taxes is the law is going to come after you. Like we have the government, you have, you have consequences in the law to your taxes. And the thing I want to point out is that force, strength is a strength or energy to be brought to bear, to cause motion or change active powers. So here's a revelation I'll share with you guys. If you think about it, we always hear the scripture, I knew you before the foundations of the earth, right? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, right? We, so we are purpose. We are decree. We are God's decree. So how did we get here before the foundations of the earth? He wrote in his book his laws and his decree, which preexisted the earth. So that's how he knew us. We are his decrees. And here's the thing is, Jesus came in Matthew 5, 17 through 18. Do not think that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till it is all fulfilled. So here's the thing. Jesus had to come to fulfill the law. He had to put the force behind the law, behind the decree. We were operating, but we weren't operating in our full force. We weren't operating in the fullness of the law. So up until the whole Old Testament, people were doing stuff. But you notice you started to see a shift when Jesus stepped on and they asked, who is this man that speaks with such authority? He had the force of the law. He had to come. So as we begin to move, we have to understand that we are the decree. The other thing I share when we always talk about the book of life, your name is written in the book of life. We've heard that. The book of life has to be his book of law, right? Your name is written if your decree was carried out. If you're not a law, you don't end up in a law book. So you have to fulfill the decree, the law that you were sent here to your purpose 
has to be fulfilled. Because what is a law that's not fulfilled? It's not a decree. It didn't happen. Every year in our state, there's laws that are written. <laughs> they never are put into place. Because they're not in put in place, they don't have any force behind them. So that's the other part is we have a lot of people running around like false decrees, a lot of false laws. The reason they don't carry through is because they don't have the force behind them. They don't have the law behind them. That's where they fall short. So we have to understand who we are and that our purpose. We understand that we have a bigger purpose, but our purpose is to be the decree. We are the law. God is telling us, go and do this. We have a purpose. We need to fulfill something. So we have to overcome all these things so that we can fulfill what our purpose is. Here's the thing is, there were seven people that came up and brought those. It took seven people overcoming to get to the purpose. So often we get discouraged because we don't see purpose. We don't see the fruit of things the first time we do it. The Bible says one will plant, another will water, God will get the glory. So what we have to understand is that we have to overcome because a lot of times it's our purpose, but we're also feeding into someone else's purpose. They're waiting for us to overcome and fulfill our purpose because our purpose is to help your purpose. And then your purpose is to help their purpose. So we're all part of it. We are all part of a puzzle and a piece. And as we go forward, we have to push past those things of this world and the things that come before us. We need to tell those mountains that they must be cast into the sea because there is something so much bigger that is taking place. We are decreeing. We are changing. We are shifting. We have the force of the law with us, so we are going to make the change that needs to happen. So in order to do that, we have to push back. We have to overcome. We have to fight so that we can see that our purpose and the purpose of those around us, the purpose of those who are waiting on us are fulfilled. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I guess <laughs> in conclusion, the title is um, Overcoming for Our Purpose. So on today, uh, if you are seeking your purpose and wanting to touch and agree with you to pray for what that purpose is, Please, we invite you to the front to touch and agree, and we'll pray with you as you are seeking that purpose. If you are in a season where you need help, it says one can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000. We are there. We will touch and agree with you so that we can put more to flight, flight, so that you can overcome that pain, that regret, the unforgiveness, the things, because things happen, and that is real. Like, we can put words on a page, but those experiences are so much more deeper and so much more complex. And today we are willing to touch and agree with you to give you the strength to move forward and overcome those things. If you do not have a church home, we invite you. We are who we are. Welcome to New Beginnings. <laughs> um, to join us. And then if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And actually as we close out today, um, I'm actually going to read John 17, 9 through 26. And I love this because I was in my researching, I came across it. it was his prayer for his apostles, but it was also a prayer for believers. So in John 17, 9 through 26, it says, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours and all mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them. 
Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be the ones as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. For those whom you give me, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one, that they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And for these sakes, I sanctify myself, that they may also be sanctified in truth. I do not pray for these alone, but for those who will believe in me through your word, that they will also all may be one as you, Father, and me are, are in me, and you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you, have, you gave me, may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known you that you sent me. I have declared to them your name, and will declare it that the love with which you love me may be with them, and I in them. So Heavenly Father, we just thank you and we praise you. As what I read just says that we, as God loved Jesus and they had the relationship, that those who love you, come to know that same relationship, that they know that they are of you and that they are not of this world and that whatever tries to come against them, that they will be overcomers in that, knowing that they are not of this world, Heavenly Father, that they can overcome anything in this world, God, that you sit on the throne and that you reign victorious over all things that you have already won, God, that they can be victorious, not victims, of their pain, of unforgiveness, Heavenly Father, that whatever situations that have happened in their past, Heavenly Father, it is just that, their past. Allow for the experience to be a testimony of how they have overcome and are yet in their right mind in the land of the living, Heavenly Father. Let them go forward with the freedom of knowing that they are yours, that they are loved, that they are predestined, that they are decreed, that they are more than conquerors, Heavenly Father, that they are your children and that they are loved. So God, we thank you and we praise you on this day as we learn about our purpose, Heavenly Father, as we overcome all those things that come before us, Heavenly Father, that we cast down all idols, God, as we go forward in you. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We want to thank you on today for joining us as we go into the word of God to continue to understand our God-given purpose. If you are wanting more information about New Begins Subship Ministries, Please look in our description box for ways to connect with us, whether through our social media outlet or if you're desiring to visit us, whether virtually or in person. We thank you once again. 
We pray that you have an awesome day and amazing week.